today on CityCast Salt Lake. We're kicking off summer movie season in Salt Lake City, the best season. And one of the celebrations I'm most looking forward to is the Wild and Scenic Film Festival at Liberty Park. It's hosted by Outdoor Afro Utah and the Utah Film Center's Black, Bold, and Brilliant Film Program. To discuss how this event came together and why conversations about equity in the outdoors are so important, I'm joined today by Ashley Cleveland. You probably know her on Instagram as Outdoor Auntie. She also heads up Salt Lake's Outdoor Afro Chapter and Russell Roots, Community Outreach Manager at the Utah Film Center. Today's Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Ashley and Russell, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Allie. Hi, y'all. Okay, let's start by talking about the Wild and Scenic Film Fest's arrival in Salt Lake. What are you both planning for this summer? Well, we have this opportunity to work with the Wild and Scenic Film Festival over here with the, the Black Bull and Brilliant Program and Ashley Cleveland with Outdoor Afro to present uh, a unique opportunity where we have a collection of short films, where we have a uh, Black, Indigenous, uh, POC voices, LGBTQ voices in the outdoor areas, and uh, really kind of talking about stewardship and accessibility to public lands in a way that uh, is is really equal for all of us. Hmm. Ashley, I saw on your Instagram, you told like a short story about how you had the idea to make this happen in Salt Lake. Will you please share? Oh, gosh, you're just going to have me being a dork out here in the open. Uh-huh. Okay. So if anyone who knows me affectionately knows that I absolutely adore Issa Rae and, uh, of course, the show Insecure. Um, They just finished five seasons. Mm -hmm. um, And on uh, season three, they had a a episode where they were going to an outdoor film festival in a park. And I always was was like, man, that's a vibe. I would love to go see a film (laughs) at night. And, you know, I, I know they have them at Sundance Resort. Um, I've seen them in other areas. I know, of course, our Utah Film Society hosts a myriad of them in the summer. Please go check them out. Um, but I've always wanted to go to one that, you know, really focused on BIPOC folk and had BIPOC people as the center of the film and also participating and enjoying the films, too. Um, so, you know, how do we make how do we create a black vibe or a black oasis in mm-hmm. Utah? So that's how I got inspired. And then I was scrolling on the gram as usual. And I came across uh, Wild and Scenic, mm-hmm. and I saw that that's where, you know, they inspire activism through films. And they, you know, have conversations about social justice, um, outdoor sports and recreation, and, of course, you know, how people access and engage with those conversations. And, of course, joy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what made me think about, you know, giving this a try. And I asked the Tracy Aviary if they would be on board. And of course, the <laughs> the president, Mr. Tim Brown, is on board with everything that we ever have to present because he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, what kind of conversations can we expect from these screenings? Aside from them being just like a fun place to gather. Well, I mean, we have, a, you know, a whole collection of short films that are really kind of covering, you know, what does it mean to be black in the outdoors? What does it mean to be the only person of, of a particular marginalized community in the outdoors? But really mm-hmm. it's this opportunity to take uh, all of those diverse voices and find them in one place for one evening. So we have the opportunity to know each other, to get to meet each other and talk about our shared issues and our shared triumphs 
and how mm -hmm. we can make Salt Lake and the surrounding outdoor spaces in Utah better for all of us. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about what it means to be Black in the outdoors in Salt Lake? Because I think it's a conversation that I'm not hearing necessarily enough of. That also might have to do with the spaces that I'm occupying. But I'm curious, like, it feels like in this city, there's this sort of these two things that are in conflict. And one is the idea that like we see ourselves as a real progressive bastion and we see ourselves as being welcoming. And our governor talks about the Utah way being a lot of things that I would argue it isn't. And then at the same time, the gatekeeping that happening that's happening of like outdoor recreation of these outdoor spaces of this city. I just feel like those two things are in conflict, like deep conflict. But Ashley, I know you think about this a lot with Outdoor Afro. I do think about it a lot. So I'm going to take off my Outdoor Afro hat because I am just a volunteer leader and do not represent the organization. Okay. I'm going to put my Salt Lake City resident hat mm -hmm. slash outdoor auntie hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so my background is in environmental science and conservation. I'm the first Black person to graduate from my environmental science and resource management program. Back in California, I'm also the first Black person to graduate from my city planning program at the University of Utah. Hmm. I've been a volunteer leader for five years. And um, of course, um, a lot of my neighbors uh, are very surprised when they see us outside. Hmm. There have been times where we have canoe trips along the Jordan River. And, you know, you see very nice white families, you know, jogging down the Jordan River in Draper on a Sunday morning. And we come, you know, bussing through with our playlist. <laughs> They're very confused. They pause, they stare, they point. Um, we haven't gotten any phone calls yet. And I don't know if that was because we were like with a white organization or not. Mm. There have been times when I've been on the trail by myself with my daughter and, you know, have people inquiring as to why I'm there or if I own property nearby. Just like very kind of um, intrusive questioning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, before I had my child and I'd be hiking out by myself, there's been times when people who live closer to these large parcels of lands on the trail will have their dogs unleashed and they're totally okay with that dog, like pretty much costing me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. once again, inquiring about why I'm there or if this is even like my trail, they like to call it like my trail. Mm. Um, so I feel like there's some ownership on public lands when people live in close proximity to it. Mm. I do understand, you know, you want to have some type of stewardship tied to parks and public lands, but it gets into nimbyism and mm -hmm. that can be pretty dangerous, just like how nationalism can take a turn for the worst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That ownership of public spaces is really aggressive in this state. Like people lord over their secret camp spots. They don't want to drop a pin. They don't want to share their favorite trail. And I think that that's very connected to basically where we're at um, in this moment. Russell, you when you you told me that when you came to Utah, your plan was to work in the outdoor industry and you kind of changed your mind. What happened there? Yeah, I did. You know, as I looked at the industry overall, we just kind of did my market research and really thought about what future can, you know, I as a black person have in this industry, really looking at, uh, you know, what other people of color have said about the industry and how difficult it was to find some kinship, if you weren't, uh, of a particular, a particular type of black person, or you didn't mm. fit in with a particular type of, uh, of, of white culture that, that predominated in the outdoor sports. 
Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see myself uh, having success there. Um, you know, I was also very sensitive to, um, you know, a lot of the challenges that women were having in the outdoor sports. Cause you know, I'm also considering, you know, who are my coworkers and what, what challenges do my coworkers have as a community as well. And, and that is definitely, um, it, I don't want to say it's legendary, but you know, it, it is, I it, mean... is a, <laughs> it, it, it is a very pronounced problem in the industry mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, especially at these trade shows where, you know. You know, if you had women there, you know, a lot of the women were, um, serving beer with skippy outfits on or handing out swag bags with skippy mm-hmm. outfits on. And it, it's, it's not something that I found myself being particularly attracted to. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, sounds like any other industry, but I think it, the outdoor industry sees itself as being different or more representative or more creative, or I guess I would put quotes around this, like trying harder than other industries. But it feels like the rubber just isn't meeting the road. Um, And one example of that, I think, is the return of outdoor retailer to Utah, where a lot of people thought that this would be an opportunity for the industry to look at things like HB 11, the anti-trans bill, and the way that we're treating each other in this state and the way that we're treating our natural resources in this state and, and take a stand for or on behalf of marginalized communities. And they didn't. They were like, no, we're coming back. This make this this financial decision makes sense, and so that kind of was just a disappointing reminder of of where we're at in our relationship with the outdoor industry in this state, which is it's not a bastion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about some of the behaviors that can create more inclusive spaces and safer outdoor spaces for people of color in our community, specifically Black recreationalists. Are there things? that you've given thought to, Ashley, that you think we could all be doing immediately? Well, I think a thing that's come to my mind was actually not a thought of mine at all. I have a five-year-old, very precocious child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I take her everywhere with me and you never know what sticks to them and what doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. so she sees me in a lot of spaces. And I recently, over the past six months, have been reintroducing myself to Gullah Gullah Island. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what that show is. Yep. Big Binya Binya fan. A, yes, it's a, about a black family, a nuclear black family who lives in North Carolina along the coast. They're part of the Gullah Geechee um, community and culture. And they, you know, impart that culture on their children through music and songs and just being parents. Mm-hmm. Anywho, on one of the episodes or a couple of them, there's a park ranger who comes and visits the kids and just like teaches them things when they go to whatever park they're at. And then, you know, goes about their way, kind of like, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood type of setup. Mm-hmm. One day this child told me after watching so many Zoom meetings because she is a pandemic child. <laughs> she said, Mommy, I think we need more rangers than police officers hmm. because they teach you something. And I was like, dang. Wow. OK, Audrey. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, and that's just a plug for some of the great work that Salt Lake City is doing. We have a new urban ranger program that has been fully funded and will be launching hopefully this summer and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I think is really, really great. And, you know, we'll definitely be contingent upon what type of training they have mm-hmm. um, in the culture that they want to foster. Hmm. It feels like more rangers, less police officers is also just like that's an entire lens. Like that's an entire worldview <laughs> that she's bringing. 
Um, from the mouths of babes. From the mouths <laughs> of babes, honestly. Russell, what's the role of storytelling in all of this? You know, the opportunity to really be transported, whether it's by film, by book, or by song, but particularly with the magic of film into another person's shoes, into their lived experience, mm-hmm. really does provide that opportunity to to experience something that you might not have had previously. Mm-hmm. You know, you you look at all of these films, I can tell all of these stories. And if we weren't able to really look at the power of storytelling and have this, this age-old narrative to impart wisdom down to us, uh, opportunities to learn down to us, opportunities to avoid threats, you know, uh, a lack of security down to us, where would we be as a people overall? Mm-hmm. So storytelling is, um, it's integral to the human experience and it's extremely important. You know? And I'm excited to see where storytelling goes as we head off into this virtual future to kind of mm-hmm. see how things continue to change. Mm-hmm. Are there some specific stories that are going to be told at the festival, some of these short films that either of you are really excited about? Yeah, there's a, a really super fascinating one that's about uh, a Dene River Guide woman who mm-hmm. is just, an, it's an amazing short film. It's right towards the beginning. The name of it slips my mind right now, but it is a really wonderful film. And then we've got um, uh, the Crown, which is about the first black band to do the Triple Crown, which is all of the mm-hmm. three uh, big hikes in the United States, which was a really great film. And then mm-hmm. a really wonderful film to close it out, Becoming Ruby, which is about um, a black woman who is a mountain bike racer who lives up in the Pacific Northwest, who is uh, from the queer community. And that film's just darling. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The Dene film that uh, Russell's referencing is called Water Flows Together. Thank you. And it's about a, yeah, it's about a, a female Dene River guide. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see that too, because um, I think the connections, particularly when we think about BIPOC, there's a reason why Black and Indigenous go first. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen there mm-hmm. in regards to narratives and our history with this country. So um, as we talk about the connection to land and how we recreate and how we get back to our ancestral roots and practices, I'm really glad that this can be a part of the story Um, and should be. It's not even that it's, you know, anything that we're providing. It just should be a standard. Right. I really am excited about uh, National Parks and One Star Reviews. (laughs) Yeah. I love a national park. I used to work for a national park. This is not a dig on our national parks. Um, you know, I just know that, you know, we've had a lot of media attention around, you know, loving our national parks. The Obamas had a, a spotlight at, on Netflix. Please go watch it about America's best idea, our national mm-hmm. parks. But I do think it's important to, um, you know, shed light on some of the challenges with land management and conservation. Um, one thing I've been getting really familiar with these past couple of months is how our U.S. Forest Service treats our hotshot crews and some of our smoke jumpers. And Mm. I just think that's just a crazy conversation to have generally. Those are a couple of the films that I'm excited about. Hmm. Wait, say more about the hotshot crews. Yeah, so um, the Forest Service has, they take care of a lot of our fire management and Mm -hmm. wildland firefighting um, for about seven months out of the year. They have very small teams of about 20 people that cover hundreds of thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. And one is uh, a hotshot crew, which are 
the kind of like hail, hand trail wide land firefighters. Mm. And there's also smoke jumpers, people who jump out of helicopters onto burning fire. Okay. <laughs> onto wow. Yeah, just Google it. You'll go down a whole rabbit hole. It's amazing. But some of these films I'm really, really excited about. And, um, you know, Russell and the team over at uh, Utah Film Society did a great job. Our, our bold, black and brilliant crew did a great job at curating these films. And I just want to highlight um, their work because having that lens, because I'm not a film buff, you know, mm -hmm. having that lens when we're selecting these things, if I just try to do this by myself, it'd be crazy. You just, you get the most random thing. So mm -hmm. know that they put a lot of effort and time and are experts in what they do. So I really would like to highlight the Black Bolton Brilliant program, providing us great services over the pandemic. I'm loving it. And if you can't come to the film festival, know that they have provided a virtual option. Please buy your $15 ticket. Please purchase gift tickets as well. And then, of course, I want to also make a plug for um, the people tabling, the groups that are going to be tabling mm -hmm. um, in person at the Tracy Aviary. We've invited four or five organizations that are one representative of under, well, our underrepresented groups, mm -hmm. <laughs> affinity groups that participate in outdoor recreation and conservation or their organizations that have actually worked with us, broke bread with us over these past two or three years mm -hmm. and are serious about this diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Mm -hmm. um, and the same can be said about our sponsors. So thank you if any of them are listening. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, early in our conversation, you brought up the idea of creating this black oasis in Salt Lake City. And Russell, you've been programming the Black, Bold and Brilliant Film Festival or been doing that film programming for a mm -hmm. while now. What's that experience been like? What's the reception? It's been pretty cool, you know, to really have this opportunity to, again, bring people together. Like Ashley said, break bread over these different topics and just find common cause to continually to talk about things and bring people mm -hmm. together because it's like, you know, I've only been here for about five years, but I've seen the community kind of in these disparate places, each of us doing our work, but it's been a, mm -hmm. a really nice way to bring everybody together and kind of have some great conversations about topics that affect all of us. And mm -hmm. uh, this time we're getting to do it outside. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I love that. Okay. I have a lightning round question for you both before we go. You're going down to an outdoor movie screening. It's a hot summer night. What's one thing you're absolutely bringing? Ashley, you first. Dang. Okay. <laughs> uh, one thing, because I'm a mom and a woman. So, you know, when we get in the car, our hands are full. I probably got like six things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> First off. Okay. Um, but definitely, you know, a picnic blanket. Yeah. <laughs> probably some wine. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Russell, what about you? Oof. I'm probably going to bring, uh, I mean, it's a couple of different things from music to all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I think the number one thing for me is going to be Topo Chico. Yeah. I'm, from, I'm from Texas. I need that yeah. bubbly water. That's, yeah. that is the cure for the summer heat in winter in Texas. Uh -huh. I'm glad it's now in Utah. So we can do the same thing here. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'll tell you guys, I'm bringing a wine opener because someone forgot a screw top. Someone. It was me. It was me. Ashley <laughs> has a cork and Ashley's talking all the neighboring blankets like, any chance you have a wine opener? And I've got one. I've got one for you, Ashley. I'm there. That's me loud whispering yeah. across my neighbor. That's right. That's community care. I got a wine opener. <laughs> 
thank you both so much for being here and for putting together these this event in Salt Lake. I can't wait to see you there. We'll have a link in our newsletter for folks to pick up tickets. Thanks for the work you're both doing. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. One more thing before we go. Local politics is what's hot. It's primary season for candidates in both parties. Primary election day is Tuesday, June 28th, and county clerks will start mailing ballots out on June 7th. Not many Utah candidates are tied up in primary elections, but several are. This time next week, I'll be moderating a debate between incumbent Senator Derek Kitchen and Dr. Jennifer Plum. They're both running for the Democratic Party's nomination for the Utah State Senate seat in District 9. It's what some would call a safe seat for Democrats, with a majority of residents opting for Democratic candidates year after year. So winning this primary is a big deal for both of these candidates. And more importantly, for you, if you're in their district, which you might be because it's a doozy and last year's redistricting process changed it up a bit. Senate 9 now comprises downtown, parts of the avenues, the University of Utah area, Central City, 9th and 9th, Yalecrest, much of the East Bench, parts of Glendale, Liberty Wells, Poplar Grove, and Emigration Canyon. If you have questions for the candidates, I'm taking them to the bank. Email me at ali.viarta at citycast.fm or DM us on Instagram or Twitter at CityCast Salt Lake. You can also just reply to any of our daily morning newsletters with your questions and I'll clock it. That's our show today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. And all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars make up my mm-hmm.